0: Thank you, Sinead, for that uh, lovely story capturing the heart of Christmas, and uh, Anna Mathis for the lovely uh, solo. The many who have contributed here, the uh, Jubilate singers beforehand, the choir. I wanna, uh, I wanna thank also uh, Megan. I, I don't know if you noticed the, the first two musical pieces after the prelude or Advent pieces, uh, as kind of a nod to the fact that this is also the fourth Sunday of Advent, and so we began a slightly more downbeat uh, note to to acknowledge uh, the the season and the merging of these two. Again, good to see everyone. Let's have a word of prayer. Gracious God, on on this most sacred of nights, be present. With us, open our hearts and our imaginations to your presence and your work in the world. In your name we pray, amen. It says that Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Treasure and ponder. That is the name of my sermon. Treasure suggests you've found something. Ponder suggests you're searching, wondering about things set in motion that are as yet not entirely clear. That these two words coexist in the same sentence is really kind of intriguing, don't you think? There is insight here about how to receive Emmanuel, God, with us. Reminiscent, isn't it, of Mary's Magnificat, when upon hearing that she would be the mother of Jesus said, My soul magnifies the Lord. To treasure and to ponder is to magnify God's presence in the world. So Mary treasured the proclamation of a savior, even her savior. And what did Mary ponder, do you think? If God chose me, perhaps Mary wondered, then do lower status people everywhere now have hope? How will the world change as a result of this? What role do I now play? To treasure and to ponder is to open oneself to the inbreaking reign of God in the person of Jesus. It is to reimagine that creation and life itself have been inhabited and reclaimed by God, then given back to us as gifts and as treasures, infused with God's presence and purpose. And what difference does this make for how we view life? Pondering, and treasuring? Well, let me illustrate, or rather, let Megan illustrate the effect of pausing in life to treasure and ponder. First, Megan will just play um, a major scale for you. Listen carefully. Okay, pretty exciting, huh? Not really. One note after another. (laughs) What happens if Meghan plays that same scale, the same notes in the exact same order, as though the notes really mattered, as if they were treasures? It was said of Count Basie that he could make one note, swing, all because he played it with feeling. Well, what if Megan just loves these notes a little more, ponders them, and puts a few pauses in between those exact same notes? Well, now that's a little different from the first go-around. What was it? Joy to the world. Joy to the world. Which one of these is more like your life? Most of us live life with the go button pushed. What's next? Let's get on with it and so on and so on. Life is just one darn thing after another. You ever have days like that? It's just one darn thing. I'm just trying to survive here. It's like scales up and down at the end of the day. We checked off a lot of boxes, huh? But is that all many of us ask ourselves Where is the beauty where's the meaning how are the notes connected or are they tonight we're all invited to disrupt the endless succession of life's notes to hit the pause button and to say I treasure that God has joined us as one of us In the madness of this world, in the blood, the sweat, and the tears, I ponder what it means that my life and my world is filled with God's presence, whether I recognize it or not on a minute-to-minute basis, from my daily bread to the work I do to the homeless man I meet. Jesus is there. Let me share with you a trilogy, three examples of treasuring and pondering and the difference that it can make. This past fall, we practiced treasuring what God has given us. Our, uh, one Sunday, our guest preacher for that day, Raleigh Martinson, invited everyone to pause and identify one person from their past for whom they were grateful, and then communicate your gratitude to that person. Did any, Anybody out there do that? I know some of you did. I know at least one of you did because you're going to hear about it right now. Al Erickson. Thought of his former young life leader, a Christian uh, mentor from his younger days named Paul Hadley. And he wrote a letter to Paul thanking him for the role that he played in his own faith journey. A few weeks later, Al received the following letter in return from Paul Hadley. Hi, Al your card arrived just before Thanksgiving our whole family two sons and their families were at our table our tradition is to go around the table and share something we are especially thankful for this year my selection was your card which I reread which I read to the group as one gets older I'm 86 now a haunting question keeps coming to the surface has my life counted for something Did I make a difference for someone along the way? For you to still remember our Anoka days 50-plus years ago was a real encouragement to Beth and me, and I want to thank you for taking the time to write. Paul. Do you see what they both did with the notes of their lives? They paused, they treasured, and they made music. They magnified the Lord, didn't they? Second example was a few years ago when I was doing the children's sermon at my former church. It was a Wednesday evening service. It was dark. I was telling the kids about my teddy bears that I would snuggle with as a child when I was scared or sad. And I asked them if they had some stuffed animals that they liked to snuggle with when they were out of sorts in some way. Hands shot up, and I heard all about uh, all kinds of stuffed animals, from bears to dogs to pigs. And, um, and then Everett uh, started telling me about his stuffed sock. And I said, stuffed sock? I was thinking to myself, gee, it sounds like some poor child out of a Dickens novel whose family can't afford toys or stuffed animals. And then the boy's dad, who was in the front row, translated for me. Uh, shark. It's, it's a stuffed shark. <laughs> okay, I, don't know. I got a shark. How much more cuddly than a stuffed shark does it get? And so it went. The kids were so enthusiastic as they told about their stuffed animals and when they needed them, but it was time uh, to wrap up and move on. And so, uh, Sinead knows all about that, right? And so I said, Well, sometimes in life we need more than a teddy bear, don't we? In fact, we need Jesus. And Jesus is there for us. And so I was getting ready to wind into my prayer. But the kids didn't want the children's sermon to be over. And they made that quite clear. Um, Something about this time together, they were treasuring. They had more to say, it turns out, about stuff, sharks and pigs and such, and why they needed them. And then then Opal spoke up. She said, one time I saw somebody in my room and, and I was scared. And it turned out to be my sister, Addie. And then everyone laughed. The kids thought that was uproariously funny. And they kept putting their hands up, waiting to be called on, straining higher and higher. Now, it's hard not to call on kids when their hands are up and they're excited. But eventually, I tried to do the wrap-up prayer again. You know, It's time to move on to the next note, right? Enough of a pause there. They were having none of it. So I, I, I joked about how they, sh- they should just stay up there for the rest of the service. Why not? And all of a sudden, something jolted me into pausing deep in here. <clears throat> this was the week uh, after s- the Sandy Hook shooting took place. You know, with the school children. Uh, over 20 of them were killed. I suddenly thought of this, and, and I looked around at these kids who were about the same age as the kids from Sandy Hook Elementary. And then, it, and then it hit me. For whatever reason, these kids didn't want to leave what was happening up there. And I didn't want them to leave. I just wanted them to stay up there with me. And so with a lump in my throat, I was quite unable to say anything for a minute or two. All I could do was put my arms around the ones who were close to me and sort of whisper, Let's just stay up here for a while together, shall we? I treasured them and I pondered what we were doing up there together. Well, I I think we were making hopeful music together with lots of loving pauses, inhabiting a space that was uniquely created by Jesus. Jesus. In the third example, author Diana Butler-Bass tells a lovely story in her book, Broken We Kneel. It's a story about a mother and a child who ponder together in Washington, D.C., how God's presence goes beyond their normal boundaries and connects people. I pick up the narrative One day, my daughter, Emma, saw a woman walking toward us, covered in a veil, and asked the inevitable, What's that, Mommy? Emma, I answered, that lady is a Muslim from a faraway place. And she dresses like that and covers her head with a veil because she loves God. That's one of the ways her people show they love God. My daughter considered these words. She stared at the woman, who passed us. She pointed at the woman, then pointed at my hair, and further quizzed, Mommy, do you love God? Yes, honey, I I laughed, I do. You and I are both Christians. Christian ladies show love for God by going to church, eating the bread and wine, serving the poor, and giving to those in need. We don't wear veils, but we do love God. After this, Emma took every opportunity to point to Muslim women during our shopping trips and to tell me, Mommy, look, she loves God. One day we were getting out of our car in our driveway at the same time as our Pakistani neighbors. Emma saw the mother beautifully veiled and pointing at her shouted, Look, Mommy, she loves God. My neighbor was surprised. I told her, what I had taught Emma about the Muslim ladies loving God. And while she held back tears, this near stranger hugged me saying, I wish that all Americans would teach their children so. The world would be better. The world would be better. Yes, it would be better when we realize we who who share Christ in one body. When we realize that Christ is always bigger than our our imaginations can grasp and that we need to allow Christ to be bigger than our imaginations. We in the church wonder sometimes how we are to survive in the 21st century. It's right here. Treasure and ponder. Ponder. Treasure and ponder gifts given to us like faith, hope, love, Jesus, treasures like each other, and our neighbor, every one of them. To treasure and ponder such things together is what it means to be the church. When our souls magnify the Lord this way, we have joined God at work in the world. Amen.